Hi, hi, um, good evening. Welcome. Uh, yeah, so first of all, I just want to say uh, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for giving the opportunity to come and um, share my testimony with you. And I don't take it for granted. And I hope that um, I hope that I can be bold. And I hope that in any way I may be, I may share some um, truths that might be helpful to some of you. Uh, so before I start, I'd just like to say a little prayer, if you don't mind. Thank you. Uh, in Jesus' name, my Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this church, and I thank you for these people, and I thank you that these people have turned out here to listen to somebody like me speak about my testimony. But I pray that their efforts will not be in vain. I pray that um, you take control of this meeting and I pray that you speak through me and I don't want to do this in my own strength or according to my own knowledge and I pray that and I pray that you give me the boldness and the calmness of mind and to say the right things and I pray that at the end of the night and I pray that we give the glory to you and you will come and we still pray so um, my name is Kerichi. My full name is Kerichi Hamos Najindo Matakal. I'm Nigerian, yeah. if you've not noticed. And just like every other Nigerian family, well, most Nigerian families, I come from quite a respectable household, and a household where honor and respect is paramount, let's say. Um, that's why speaking in, speaking in front of you guys that are much that are older than me, um, I have nothing but respect to you guys, and I have nothing but honor and gratitude for this opportunity. The fact that it kind of blows my mind that you you're listening to me <laughs> rather than me listening to you. But again, um, I hope that it will be in in good faith. Mm. Okay, so it was kind of hard for me to try and find a starting point to talk about my testimony of my life. And I thought, where in my comfort zone is when I'm in the Bible, or I'm referring to the Bible. So I thought, there's no better way for me to start this than reading a passage of the Bible to maybe calm me down. So there's, and actually the Bible verse that I think is something that stayed with me from the beginning up until now. That kind of tells you, that gives you a flavor of my life and my relationship with God has been like. And is like. Mm. The Bible verse comes from um, before I went to uni, my dad sat me down and he said, You're about to go off to uni, you're about to live on your own, you're about to do certain things. I'm not going to be there with you to watch over you, to give you advice, but this Bible verse, take it with you and hold on to it. And I did. Um, from that day, it took on a whole new meaning. And that Bible passage is Psalm 1. 121, 1 to 8. So, 1 and Psalm 121, 1 to 8 says, I'll give you some time. <laughs> so, Psalm 121, 1 to 8 says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help from where does my help come from? 
My help comes from the Lord, who made the heaven and the earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade and your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep you alive. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That passage, I could not have started it that way. Because really, from the beginning, all I've ever had is God. All I've ever, all the best I've ever turned to in my whole life is God. In the sense that most of the things I'm about to share with you today, and the time that I was going through them, I never told a soul about it. What I would do is every night, I would come back home to my bed. Sometimes I'd be crying and I'd just pray. i just pray to God. And i just tell God everything that's going on in my life. And when I did that, I felt a lot of comfort. I was more at peace. My life. So it started off really... I have to tell you my life to tell you my testimony. And I kind of have to... I feel like I need to go through um, the beginning, the rough parts, before we can get to the... So I was born in Nigeria, born in Nigeria. I left Nigeria when I was eight. We moved to Jamaica and we stayed in Jamaica for a year and then we came here when I was nine. So I came here when I was in year five. And the first day of the first day of year five, I came in, in I came in like a, a blue a blue a big blue jacket, it had like on the hood and I had my hood up and I'll never forget. And a little girl came and she looked up at me and she said, Are you a boy or a girl? <laughs> and that pretty much was a tra trajectory of what my life would be for quite a long time. Just I never really knew who I was. I never really fitted in. I was almost I was always like an outcast. In that school I was only, I was the only black person in the whole school. And to compound on that was the fact that the boys in year six, the big bad boys of year six, for some reason they didn't take a liking to me. And I think in my first week I must have had a fight or a conversation <laughs> with one of the guys. And pretty much every single week in year five I was fighting. And I had a fight with pretty much every single person in year six when I was in year five. So my life, my life in England, my acclimation to England was a violent one, <laughs> let's put it that way. And what that meant was I was I was always I was always I was always on guard, I was always very scared, I was always very anxious, I was always looking over my back. Mm -hmm. I was never really comfortable. And like I said, I dealt with this all by myself. And whilst all these things were going on, I would only come home, cry, pray, go back to the next day. It got the worst day, the day that'll probably give you just a little insight into my life, into a day in my life was there was one day when um, there was one lunch when all the all the boys in year six basically decided they were gonna try and get me. <laughs> they were gonna try and rough me up. And my only way to get out was to run into the nursery section. So in the, where you couldn't go in. I managed to sneak in there and I stayed there for the whole of lunch. And every day I would dread the after school band. And that day my heart was beating crazy because I knew I knew that they would be waiting for me. 
and shopping the bellwind. I ran out, I was sprinting down the all chasing after me. And I remember my friend was getting picked up and I jumped, I jumped in the car that was picking him up and they started throwing stones at the car. That was that's pretty much what that was pretty much what I was going through during mm -hmm. that time. Just I was always restless and Can I ask what part of the country that was? About Aberton. Yeah, that, that was Aberton. We lived in a rough part of Aberton. I think we had a hard cold, but it's not the prettiest place. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the prettiest place in Aberton. So, oh yeah, questions. Oh, I was actually. Uh, yeah, I think maybe if you have any questions, maybe just ask. Feel free to. That's not problem. So yeah, um, that 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 was pretty much that. But what then? What that what that made me become was a very. Like again, my identity was very. If anybody liked me, if anybody said hi to me, I would do anything for them. All I needed was a friend, and mm -hmm. I was I was very much a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to be able to be accepted mm -hmm. just for who I am. So that was very much something that was going on um, in my life. And again, I didn't tell anybody. About it. I didn't tell my family. I, I didn't feel like I could confide in anybody because I never really think anybody could see life from my very niche perspective. So that was quite difficult. So um, moving into high school, so I'd gained by that time I'd gained a reputation to be a bit of a hard one, a bit of a fighter. And in high school in year seven, again the climate that I was in, um, what made you cool? What made you what made you what made your personality, what made your character was to be strong, like outwardly strong, you can never show any weakness, to be a bit of a jack the lad, to be a bit of a ladies man, to brag about to even like for you not to be picked on, you need to be the one picking on somebody. Mm -hmm. It was kind of that mentality. And mm -hmm. I very much stealing, swearing, watching watching porn, stuff like that, that was very much what you'd be talked about, that, that, was, that was the banter, that, 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 was, that, that, that was the cool thing to do, and I very much fell into all those things, and the one thing that, to this day, the one thing that um, I'm probably most ashamed of is the fact that um, to get by, I watched a lot of I watched a lot of porn on the internet, and even to this day, that's something I still struggle with, and that's something that's got still working with me on. And all my life, um, all my life, I was never able to admit that to anybody. That was something that I just, and I never said that, <laughs> I never mm -hmm. said that loud. And that was something that overwhelmed me really. And whilst I was going through it, I struggled. I struggle, I pray to God, I'd be like, God, is this one of them, is this one of them poor things he's got a thorn in his side to keep him humble? I was like, God, but this can't be my thorn, like, this can't be, this can't be something that I have to deal with all my life. <laughs> but the shame, but whilst I was going through that, it felt like I always had a voice in my, I always had, I always had a voice in my head to say, a voice in my head said two things. One was, for me to get over this, you need to tell somebody. Don't let the shame cripple you. Because I felt like that was what it did to me. It was it was always it was like if I didn't tell anybody, 
how to get over it. And secondly, the thought, um, another voice I had in my head was, you're going through this for a reason, you're going through this to help someone in the future, so endure, because it is going to be over. So that was the two voices that was in my head with regards to that. But I never told anyone, up until about two years ago actually. That was the first time. This is this has been going on since I was about eleven or twelve. And it was only about two years ago that I was about twenty-three. So I already got ten years. I had this overwhelming darkness over me in my heart that just never let me fully break through. And when I and this was something I had to think about when I when you gave when I spoke to him, you said you wanted to hear about my testimony. How do I talk about this? Am I in front of people? <laughs> but I felt, how can I really share my testimony without speaking of this? Mm. So I feel like, I feel like I had to. And also, with regards to that, I said to myself, I can't come here, um, I can't come here in the same state that I was when I, when I knew I was going to be coming here, mm. with regards to the itself. So from that day, I said to myself, that was in... What is this? Yeah, before Christmas. And I think from the 1st of November, I put up a calendar on my wall, and nobody, nobody knew. I put up a calendar on my wall, and I said to myself, on this calendar, there is, there is never going to be a day where I put a cross on that calendar. I put a tick every day I did a watch on the mm -hmm. calendar. And I, and I made a promise to myself, there's no one going to look at that calendar and see a cross on it. Mm -hmm. And I can say that, like, and I, I, treat, I treated myself like an addict. I said to myself, you're actually addicted to this thing. Be true to yourself. Mm -hmm. Admit it to yourself. Treat yourself like an addict. And say, take it a day at a time. Mm -hmm. Set yourself a goal. So I said to myself, by the time I come here, I can. I wanted to make it, I wanted to say to you guys, probably you told me that I've not watched porn since November. And I can't say that. I'm so going to achieve that. Mm -hmm. And then I said to myself, is that it? So about a week before today, I said to myself, there's no point saying I'm going to watch for three months. And then when you come back home, you, you did it. So I've set a new challenge to myself to go for the whole of 2020 without watching Kong. So that's the new challenge. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully from there, never watch it again. Mm -hmm. So that's my promise to you guys. Thanks. Thanks to God. Yes. And I hope that you will. So yeah, that was something. What? So you get an invitation to come back? Must come. Must come January twenty seventh. But yeah. So yeah, like um, I might be. This is this this, this is not a joke to me. Like, and I am. Um, and every like every time I see that calendar in my room, I just get so happy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so like I find it. Uh, yeah, like I said, God is still working with me. Mm -hmm. I'm not out of the woods yet. And I hope that you guys will pray for me. So yeah. So yeah, that was that. So there was that. And then so now in high school, I was only in high school a little bit. So high school for me was one of again very much trying to please, very much trying to mm -hmm. trying not to be the one picked on. Mm -hmm. I did I did so in there was one day in, oh, okay. so so there was one day was watching, I was working with my brother in practice when I was in practice, I was working with my brother. There was a bunch of year sixes up ahead and I said to my brother, we can't I can't walk through them. 
あさりのだからピーアソーペナルティーゲストはさかのコーヒーとエサソーチーミーだからピーアソーサーレスコーエダウェンアデアデテテンジョイバハータジョイバハータエバソーグレイアマナリアライスタブトゥーオイスケピーアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウトアウ We, we would have a fight and、yeah. I loved football. There was a, if someone tackled me wrongly, we'd have a fight. If anyone looked at me, someone stepped on my, someone stepped on my toes and we had a fight. I just, outwardly, I was this macho man, but inwardly, I was broken. I was, I was a weak, weak child. And that, that was what I realized in time that the people that actually, that people, well, quite a lot of people that are violent outwardly. They're actually quite weak internally, and that was very much true of me at that point when I was, I was the toughest guy around. That was probably when I was the weakest within myself. So, yeah, that was kind of. So, I was very much. I very much had a chip on my shoulder. I was very much an aggressor. I very much didn't. I didn't have much love in my heart. <laughs> I didn't have much love or peace in my heart. And again, in my house. In my house, I was the quietest, sweetest little boy in the world. <laughs> But outside, I was an absolute animal. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was totally different. So my, so my family didn't even know what, what was going on. And then after the fighting, there was the stealing. So me and my friends would go to Tesco. Um, we'd go to Tesco, other, other, other shops as well, that's Tesco.、Um, we'd go to Tesco, we'd, we'd steal like cans, like packs of cans, sweets. I loved MMs. I loved MMs. And bars, bars, my, my friends, they, so, we'd, so we'd steal like sweets, cans, and then we'd sell them in. In school, so that, that was kind of the life, the life I was living, and even, but I, I, knew that, I knew that I was slightly more twisted than my friends because I would actually steal from my parents. Like, I would go into my mom's purse and I would take money, and I would go into my dad's nightgown and I would take money every single, pretty much on a daily basis. How I never got caught, I have no idea, but I was, I was, just, doing, I was just doing all these kinds of. Crazy activities just to be accepted,、mm. just to be、mm. one of the cool kids. A, a part that played to that was the fact that、um, in my house, so I'd go to school, I'd come back, and I'd never leave the house.、Mm. I'd only leave the house to go play football. My parents wanted us to be in the house all the time. So, what that meant was I never really could build any friendships. Like when I'd come into school, my friends would talk about what they did that day, that weekend,、mm. and I'd just Sat there quietly. So that was, that was why I felt even a, a more extra pressure to do all these outlandish, crazy things just to be relevant and just to be accepted. But again, my inner peace was never there. My inner peace was never there. My inner identity was never there. It was, it was, I was, I was a very, very sad child. <laughs> well, I was a very, very sad child. But like I said, God was always there.、Mm-hmm. Like, I'd, it's actually crazy. Like, I would just go home and I would just pray to God. I would just tell God what happened during the day.、Mm-hmm. I would just tell God 
how deep and how crowds have got us into God. Why is all these things happening to me? Yeah. And the voice would always say, my only comfort was there's a reason for this. And in the future, you help someone. And I always, I always carried on because I felt like at some point in my life, what I, got, what I, what I was going through, I would, I would stop someone else from going through that thing. That was always what kept me going. <laughs> So yeah, so yeah. Um, the the last kind of craziness that I got into was um, in college. Um, I found weed. <laughs> I found drugs. I found recreation with drugs, and I was. Just, that, that was a great way to take my mind off my problems. And I took, I took a lot of comfort in that. So at a point, at a point, I was a guy that was aggressive, fighting, stealing, watching porn on a regular basis, smoking weed, and still never left, never feeling that acceptance, and still never knowing who he was, still never still never being happy and that was all I ever wanted to be. All I, all I ever wanted to be was just happy. Mm-hmm. But that never came, that never seemed. That was always a distance away. Until about year nine actually, that was when this little changes started happening. I, I, I mean, so in my family, again a Nigerian family, respectable family, um, we have family devotions every night. We have family devotions every night. We read the Bible. Some things would stick, some things wouldn't. And in church, I went to the um, Sunday school. There was Sunday school. And I was taught by great women. Great women. And there was one particular day when we talked about Jesus. <laughs> we talked about what Jesus did for us on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, I, heard, I heard about this guy that was betrayed, beaten up, yeah. bruised, but he still had compassion for the people that were beating him up. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Why did he not fight back? And you could fight back. That was the craziest part of one night. He could, he could destroy the ball, let the pain go, he could. I just thought to myself, like, what is that about? What is that? So, so that's what love is. That was the first time I feel love started actually coming into my heart. And from then onwards, from year nine, I never really had any fights. I stopped fighting in year nine, but year nine was the last time I had a fight. And, and that was around about the same time I, had, I heard about Jesus, actually, and love. That, that, was the first time I, that was the first time I ever heard about being picked on. But dealing with them in a cordial manner, <laughs> not fighting back. There was one moment when this guy called me the N-word. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's just something you don't do. Yeah. That's just something you didn't do. <laughs> like, I, just, I didn't stand for that at all. And my friends were just like, what are you going to feel? What are you going to feel about it? And I did nothing. That day I was mind-blowing myself. I was like, yeah. that's because I had the mindset of what would Jesus do? Mm-hmm. And that was, yeah, from year nine onwards, 
my heart was beginning to get something. Yes. But I would still do, but I had a girlfriend, um, I had a girlfriend in about year 11, year 10, and my parents would work nights, and I would have to come to the house, and we would get to all kinds of stuff in there to the point where actually I lost, I had sex for the first time when I was about 15. I think on my, a day before my 16th birthday, that was the first time I actually had sex. And stuff like this, again, nobody knew. Everyone in my house thought I was the same. <laughs> everybody, like, everybody, everybody thought this guy could never, no, nobody knew I was fighting, nobody knew I was stealing, nobody knew I was sneaking girls into the house, nobody knew I was sneaking out of the house. I would have, oh, there was probably a moment that would, so there was one, so there was one night when, there was one night when my then girlfriend came to my house and I kind of miscalculated because my dad was not working, so he was in the house. And I was telling this girl, you have to go home. She was like, no, I'm not going home. I have to come in. So I snuck her into the house and I was upstairs in my room. And then I heard like the last two or three footsteps of my dad coming up the stairs and she was in my bed. <laughs> she was in my bed. Without even thinking, I just pushed her. There was like a little hole between my bed and the wall. I pushed her into the hole. And I, I had two demons. Some of the demons, I put it over the hole. And in that very same moment, my dad came into the room. And I just said, Dad! And I was like, I don't call him Dad. <laughs> I was like, what do you want? And then he was like, do you want us to go and pray? <laughs> That's the life I was living. <laughs> he was like, she wants to go and pray. She wants to go and pray now, she wants to go and pray later. I was like, let's go pray now. <laughs> I was like, let's go pray now. So I was like, I jumped out of bed, I was like, let's go pray. So we prayed, he went up to sleep, me and the girl stayed downstairs that whole night. And we took, we took shifts to sleep that night. These were the kind of things I had to do to someone. There was one night when, there was one night when, I've had many cold shaves. There was one night when, I actually, so she was from Wigan. I don't know if you know the distance, it was like a 30 minute bus ride. Yeah. She was from Wigan. And my parents were working nights. I've gone to see her in Wigan. I ended up staying over at her friends. And early in the morning, I got the first bus back in the morning. And I was walking. I looked back and I saw my mom's car coming back home from work. He said, what's the fastest one in the world? <laughs> I must have beaten records that day. <laughs> because till this day, I have no idea how I made it back just in time for my mum to like, not see me. Mm -hmm. And I opened it and I was like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> I had a But yeah, like, this is the kind of life I was living. Mm -hmm. And just try to picture a 15. 14, 16 year old kid, really, mm -hmm. having all these skeletons in the closet, mm -hmm. and at any single moment, at risk of being caught. Mm -hmm. Like, <clears throat> I think there's no peace for the wicked. Mm -hmm. I never had any peace. Mm -hmm. And I felt wicked. Like, mm -hmm. I, I genuinely felt rotten. And that's why, till this day, like, I, I'm just very grateful because I know that, I know that without a, a, a we're gonna to get to what God did. But I know that without God, like actually, I always say without if I didn't if I didn't come to know God personally, mm -hmm. only God knows what I'd be right now. Only God knows what my life would be. Yeah. Because really, 
before I went to uni, um, I didn't care about, I, I didn't care about, I didn't care about my life, I just didn't care, all I wanted was just to be liked. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't care about my future, I never cared about getting good grades, <laughs> I never cared about what I'd be doing in five years time, all I wanted to do was just to fit in <coughs> and be happy, and I was just, that just always seemed to be a distance away at every point in my life. My big break was going to the uni. Mm -hmm. Uni, I'd be out of the house, I'd have my freedom, I could do anything I wanted to do. And I had some wicked plans, I had some disturbing plans. And it just so happens to be that uh, in the first week of uni, I met. Okay, okay let's just, so the first, okay, so I had some wicked plans. And as an example of that is Freshers Week. Have you heard about you know what Freshers Week is? Do you know what that entails? Yeah. Freshers Week is when you acclimatise with Staffordshire University. Staffordshire University in Stoke. Yeah. So yeah, because um, like, at my house I was, I was never allowed out. I was 18 now. I was never allowed mm. out. Um, yes. I, just, I, could, I couldn't, I never really got a chance to, to go clubbing, to, to, to live a, to live an open, to, 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 to live an open life where I could just express myself fully and you, you, you know it's going to present that for me and I, and in Freshers Week, Freshers Week I went out I brought a girl back home, slept with her, the next day did the same thing. I was lying to her, I was telling people that I was 23 when I was 18, <laughs> just, to, just to get girls that were older than me, stuff like that. I was just, I had, I had wild ambitions, just to put it that way. I was smoking, I was smoking and drinking. That was new, I was smoking and drinking at the same time of going out. I was just, I was just, like, oh, okay. So that, that was actually the first week. The next week, I was going to the gym because I wanted to, I wanted to be in shape to do all these things I wanted to do. And I saw three guys. The names were Mide, Ugo, and Pesayo. And they stopped me. These guys, these guys were bigger than me. They were taller than me. They were better looking than me. They were cooler than me. They had tattoos and arms. They had bigger muscles. They were just amazing specimens, let's put it that way. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, what are these three guys? What do they want to do with me? It's like, little, little old me from Amazon. <laughs> what do they want to do with me? They, had like, they were from London, they had the cool London accent, smooth guys. And they said to me, yeah, we do men's fellowship on campus, and we'd like you to come. And one of them, Pesayo, he said to me, I go to church in Manchester, and I'm willing to drive you to church with me every Sunday. Wow. I was like, what is going on here? I was, I was thinking they were invited to like a call or something. <laughs> <laughs> this can't be true. What, what could these cool guys be wanting to do with the church? Because my church was very much like this one. Elderly people. So Mature Christians. Yeah. Mature Christians. That was very much. You'll learn for the next time. That was very much what my church was. I felt like at that time my view of church was 
I have to take God seriously. I have to change my personality. Mm-hmm. I have to change the way I talk. I have to be wearing suit and tie. I have to be. Oh. I have to be a mature person <laughs> at eighteen. <laughs> I do not want that at all. But then I saw these guys that were cool, funny, like personable themselves. But but at first I was very suspicious. But I thought, hey, this church. I can't go wrong church. So, mm-hmm. so I attended. Like I said, this is the second week of the. Till this day, I'm, I'm grateful to God for letting yeah. me meet those guys yeah. so early on. Because with the plans I had and the things that I started off doing, if I got into my groove, oh you were on the fast track. I was, oh, I was very much yeah. on the fast track. Yeah. But they snapped me up. They snapped me up quite early on. Mm. I'm going to pause that story there because also in the, in the, second, in the second week of um, university, I went to church. My father was always like, I need to find a church, basically. <laughs> so I found myself in church just to fulfill a righteousness kind of thing. Just to say to them, guys, I'm in church, so I leave you alone. <laughs> so I found myself in church. And on that first day, I met a guy called Ifa. And it was his first day in church as well. He, he just started first year just like me. Because at the end, they say if it's only the first time, it's come to the front. So we both talked to each other, and that was very nice. And the next day, on Monday morning, I was coming out from an apartment. He was coming out from an apartment. And he said to me, what, what, what are you doing here? Like, do, do you live here? And I was like, no. <laughs> he was like, I was like, do you live here? He was like, yeah, I live here. So if you don't live here, what are you doing here? Like, 8 in the morning? And I did this to him. Yeah. Until this day, if there always does this to me sometimes, because I couldn't live there and I was just dealing with I was just I was coming up from the girls' apartment and I didn't want to tell that. But I was that was that that was that was me. All I cared about was because my friends always tell me about how many girls I slept with and I never slept with one. So I was trying to ask for catch up as much as I can. But yeah, so that, that was very much my heart. I bring if it up because if I ended up being he was my friend, he was my very, very good friend, up until very genuine. But at that time, if there was a guy where he wasn't interested in trying to please people, if he uh, wasn't interested in the girl, he wasn't interested in the party, he wasn't interested in the smoking, the drinking, and he fascinated me, I was saying to myself, how can you be 21, 22, he was, a, he was like two years older than me, how can you be 20 in your prime and not interested by Girls, <laughs> like, not by drinking, by that lifestyle. And I was going to tap into his mind as to what was motivating him. So I always knew if it, and luckily he'd give me the time of day we could talk. We'd talk about the Bible, we'd talk about principles that he lived by. And it was kind of my mission to. Okay, so I, I always believed that for you to. If you. If you need to get over something, you need to get a greater love for something else. Because mm-hmm. if you put something to the side, other things will come in. Mm-hmm. So I knew that at that point in my life, all I cared about was the girls, the smoking, the drinking. And I knew that, and I, knew that I, 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 loved, I loved God, but not as much as that. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that had to change. I had to put God at the, at the top. That, that, that's not something that you, that you just automatically do, and, and that took a long time to happen. Partly that's why I'm speaking to Ifa, telling Ifa how I felt, telling him that this is where I'm at right now. 
and I, I, I want to I get to where you're at, but I'm not there now. I feel like we need to be honest with ourselves, and I was very much honest with myself. And again, going to the men's fellowship, what that did for me was, again, just seeing young guys, they, talk, they talked about their lost issues. They talked about, because those guys had spotted pasts as well. They had, mm -hmm. they had their habits that weren't very Christ-like, let's put it that way. They had, they had problems with trying not to smoke weed. They had problems with trying not to get up any girl on the campus. They had, they had these other issues and it was just, it was nice for me to realize that maybe you can be a Christian and still struggle, mm -hmm. but at least struggle. And mm -hmm. don't let the shame overwhelm you. Don't wallow in the shame, but rather try and fight. And it was just that brotherhood that we had helped me greatly. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the guys, if uh, he was in his third year and he left, so he left in third year when I was in my first year. And by that time, the church that I went to was starting up a Bible study, a fellowship, a Christian, Christian students, students Christian Bible study on campus, and they were the leaders. Other people to help run it. In my first year, I said to them, I'll be a part of it, but don't put me in any posters, don't put me in any flyers, because <laughs> I still knew I had to do some little, little things on the side. And I, I never wanted to bring shame to the church. Yeah. So I knew, I knew at that time I wasn't ready, I'd be behind the scenes, I'd be helping out, but don't put me in any flyers. Second year, I knew that Pisaia was going. And I said to myself, I'm going to move into Pisaia's space. Because Pisaia was a guy where he was the head of the men's fellowship. You never saw Cassandra out in clubs. You never saw, you never had any rumors about Cassandra girls doing this thing. He was just, he was an upright man, and he was the guy that I looked at. Cassandra and Ife, I looked at most of you, and I said to myself in second year, I will wear Cassandra as I can. I will read as much as I can in terms of the Bible. I will read as much as I can, listen to as much preaching as I can, to know as much as I can, to let the word just fill me up and hopefully change me. Like I was willing to let God just do what he wanted to do with me. And I was willing to let go of all the filth in my life really and just let go and let God stay safe. So that year, second year in the summer, I was reading the word every day. I was studying every day. I was listening to men like John Pike who I love. Listen to Paul Washer, Francis Chan, David Platt. John MacArthur, men like this, that just broke down the Bible. Mm -hmm. And again, it was more about the passion. Mm -hmm. What, why, what I never, because I feel like I'm quite a passionate person, like I'm driven by passion, the things that I mentioned to them, I think that's how But I just, the passion that these men had for the word, like I just couldn't believe how this Bible could be so interesting to them, like how they could find so much joy and happiness and glory. And I, but the thing was, the more I dug deep, the more I prayed. I said, God, look at me. I'm trying my best thing. Just like, help me. The more, the more I realized certain truths, the more my mind started changing. The more my desires started changing. The more my perspective on life started changing. The more, the more I didn't care what people thought about me. The more my identity started forming. The more my life, like, what I wanted to do in life, I just, I became a responsible individual when I saw myself being grounded in the world. Mm -hmm. So that's why for me till this day, I never want to go back to that guy. Yeah. And I feel like um, I feel like once I stopped reading that Bible, 
Let's get over for you. But my life, my sanity, my everything, my identity, my future depends on me being tied to the word of God. On me being tied to to that one relationship, to that one connection with God. And that's why I'm, I've never been a guy motivated by money or status or anything. All I've wanted to do was to be happy and to be accepted. Luckily, I found happiness in God and I knew that I was accepted by God. And once I knew those two things, it was game over. I was able to then be this guy that you see in front of me. I was able to own all the crap that I was doing, no longer be ashamed of it. Just know that God is like some sort of working process. So yeah, that's pretty much my testimony. And I must say that and tonight we came in and we saw Jeffrey. Greg. Greg. I was gonna say Gary. Sorry. That's <laughs> Greg. I knew it wasn't Gary. So we saw Jeffrey and Greg outside. And then Greg came in and said, Oh, we come we come before to pray. That melted my heart. Mm -hmm. Because for me, prayer, I feel like I'm here because of prayer. My prayer and other people's prayer. Mm -hmm. And it's just that one thing that I've one thing that I've always um, one thing that's always good to me is nervousness. I'm, I'm a very, very shy person. I think other people don't, but I think I'm a very, I'm not, I'm not very bold. And there was one day when we had a Bible study uh, in my church, and then I was praying, and then I said to them, guys, please pray for me. I read, I read it in Acts. I think they prayed, like, it said the Lord be prayed and the ground was shaken. Mm -hmm. oh, I was like, what? So it's <laughs> what boldness can do for you. You can yeah. pray and the ground can shake. I was like, God, I, I need boldness. Mm -hmm. And I came out and I said to them, guys, Pray for me to be bold. And I feel like from that day onwards, my boldness has grown. And I feel like a lot of people have prayed for me in the past. And I know that that's, that's part of the reason why I'm here today. So when I come here and I see you guys, the, the people that come together to pray before everyone else, their the value is priceless, pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, so like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like uh, yeah, I, I kind of needed to commend you guys for that and keep doing it. Like, mm -hmm. we should always tell you in prayer mm -hmm. as Christians. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. Have your parents seen the change in you? My parents. Um. So. Um, so there, was, so there was a time when, okay, so this whole like, I was very, I was a very secretive person. Mm -hmm. Like I said, my praying, I'd, I'd go home, I'd pray at night, and I came to the bar, I'd spring up. I'd just be like, no, nothing like was going on. And even to the point when I was in uni, I'd listen to sermons in the house, but when I heard someone coming down the stairs, I'd turn it off. Mm -hmm. So like, I was very much hidden, I was hiding everything. Mm -hmm. no, nobody knew anything about me. Because I'm not, I've never, I feel like I've never really been one to brag. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this is not my comfort zone. I'm talking about myself. That's weird. That doesn't sound right, but it's for purpose. It's for real. But yeah, so I was hit from one then. But it reached the point where I was just, I was, this, I just had to accept myself. Like, this is me. So mm -hmm. now, 
Yes, 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 of course they do, because that's what I ever do around the house. I'm playing silent every day, you know. I'm preaching in church. I'm, I'm, my life is all about church, I think. My life is all about church, but Bible studies, I need to do with church, so like, I feel like, okay, so back when I was younger, obviously, some little things would creep into the house, in a sense of, um, there would be a quite a lot of letters about my behavior at school coming, <laughs> coming to the house. Like, just little things like that. And, okay, so one story. So, okay, yes, okay. One story. Um, so there was one day when, um, there was one day, I, I spoke to my dead girlfriend on the phone for so long that the BT cut the landline. BT <laughs> cut the landline. I never forget this. I was sat down. I, I, I knew what happened. And I was waiting for mom to come out because mom uses the phone a lot. She came out the stairs. I was sat down. I was sat down opposite her. And she picked up the phone. Oh, I was like, God, so happy. And then she picked up the phone. She looks across, like, across to me. Black face. And I'm like, she knows. <laughs> <laughs> so she knows. And then the next minute, she puts the phone down. She's like, what have you done? Like, Why is the phone call? Why have you calling? And some of the things my mom said to me that day, I never forget. Like, my brothers and sisters were very much good kids. Like, they never did anything wrong. And my mom was like, What happened with you? Where, like, where, where did you go wrong with you? Because there's so much of things, all, all these things. And I feel I was like, She couldn't contain it anymore. And I remember. I remember literally hanging onto her foot while she was going up the stairs to tell my dad. I was like, don't tell her But she, she kicked me off. <laughs> but yeah, there was, there'd, been, there'd been so much at that point. Were you Whereas, younger than you? Were you the eldest? I'm the youngest. You were the youngest? I'm the youngest. Oh, okay. I'm basically, I'm the youngest. The second, there's five of us. Mm. I'm the youngest. The second oldest is four years older than me. Yeah. Yeah. And the oldest is nine years older than me. Yeah. So it's quite a lot of gap. Yeah. So I lived with my parents whilst everyone went to uni, mm-hmm. so it was me and them, yeah. and I showed them a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. But whereas now, I think they like me more now. Yeah, I think there's a lot less to worry about. I feel yeah. like my mom's, my parents are quite relieved. Mm-hmm. So I that I turned up yeah. this way to this week. Yeah. So yeah, long story short, I think yes, it's going to be Yeah. Yeah. You said on that, you called and then you sent me that you Dad wanted you to go to do law, so to honour him, but like you, you didn't. So we're talking about um, Greg. Greg asked Bissy what she did, and Bissy said she's a nurse. And Greg said, "So why are you not a doctor? Coming from a Nigerian household, yeah. the Nigerian household is very much about profession. So like there's five laws, and you kind of get given what you like. You know, you kind of pay for it. So like." Nurse, doctor, pharmacist, lawyer, engineer, stuff like that. Yeah. I, I admired that from a young age, and I wanted to be a lawyer. My dad in Nigeria was a barrister, and I, and I, wanted, to be a, I wanted to be a barrister like my dad, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So from a young age, to be fair, I, I, wanted, to be a, I, I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Mostly because everything else had been taken, but that's really what I meant in the sense of I just admired my dad. So, so law was always in my mind. My dad never really forced me to leave it. Yeah. I was never, not even, not even encouraged, that was just something I wanted to do. So what do you do now? 
Did you ever uh, remember a time when uh, you specifically felt your sins are being forgiven, or is it a process that happened over time? Okay, so I'm a kind of person where my, I think there's a Bible passage, I think it's in Psalm where there's David that says, My sins ever before me. I'm very much of that ilk. Like, I'm always trying my best to be sinless. I'm always, yeah, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Well, I know that, but I'm trying to be as close as I can anyway. I'm trying my best to be as close as I can. And no, but yes. For me, it's just, it's just knowing that Christ has done it all. You know? Like, I rest in the assurance that Christ has yes, done it all. Amen. But I'm also aware of the pain yeah. of the, of my head, you know, what Christ has done for me. Yes. And I have to tell myself, I have to literally tell myself, think more about Christ. Yes. Um, yes. I have to physically tell myself, I have to remind myself of what Christ has done for me. I remind mm. myself that mm. it's not really about, it's not, it's, not, it's not about what I'm doing, it's more about, mm-hmm. that's, it's more about what he's done and mm-hmm. rejoicing in that. Yes, and on to that verse, but being confident of this, that he who began a good work will we'll carry it on to completion. So yeah, I've just, the Lord just gave me that scripture to give to you. That's Philippians 1, verse 6. Yeah. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Passages like that can be great job. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. We have peace now. 23 years old, where I was about to finish my LPC when I wanted to be 23. And then the firm that I was at, uh, you could work there for two years, 
you'd be qualified. Mm. To, no, sorry, you'd be yeah, you'd be qualified to get a training contract and then get a qualified mm. so, so. Yeah. So, so that, that that was all my focus was on. But then I realised that I neglected, I derailed strongly in my thinking of God. I'm focused to be qualified, and I was just—it was difficult. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> Those are the two hardest years of my of my life, really, in terms of working hard. And I was going out. I was going out with my friends. I, was, I started clubbing. Again. I started clubbing. I started doing all these things, and then it reached the point where I was just—I couldn't recognize myself anymore. Mm-hmm. I was like, who, who, who are you? Mm-hmm. Like, I was so focused on being qualified that I forgot about God again, mm-hmm. and then I started to become unhappy again. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point that I said to myself, forget this training contract business. Forget trying to get qualified at 23, 24. What makes you happy? And I asked myself, what makes me happy? And I thought that was when I decided to go to the masters. So I actually, for, for, I let go of the opportunity to get qualified, to start mm-hmm. a training contract, to, to, to do my masters. Mm-hmm. Because I knew I had to get back to myself. Mm-hmm. I had to get back to my source. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what my life is about now. I've, I've not realized what makes me happy. I've not realized what makes me who I am. And it's being in the making sure I'm in the world. Yeah. So that's why I'm in, in my church I ask them to give me dates to be preaching. Mm-hmm. Just so I have that responsibility, so that I have that that link with gospel mm-hmm. that I still have God at the forefront of my mind. Mm-hmm. So so that's so that's it like how mm-hmm. I think for me now, for the rest of my life, I actually I actually just for a moment I, I let go of the idea of being qualified. Mm-hmm. And I just said to myself, I just, I just wanna I just wanna do something that's still the Bible. Yeah. That's what I wanna do. I don't I don't care about money, the status, anything. All I wanna do is give me something to do with the Bible. If it's speaking to people in a Bible study, if it's preaching, being a pastor, missionary, I don't care. As, as long as I'm working with the Bible, yeah. that's that's my life. Are you embarking any any form of Bible study or yeah, like, okay, so right now, I've said to myself, I've given myself a challenge to read the Bible in six months. So I want to read through the whole Bible in six months, two times this year. And that's the task. And then every single year mm-hmm. from now, henceforth, and to read books. I've been given a lot of books. Mm-hmm. So I've got, I've, I've got a lot of books. <laughs> so you, you do anything like a correspondence course to get, a, 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 say, a... Uh, qualifications right. recognised, if you like. I mean, reading the Bible is good. Cool. Yeah. I'm not, not suggesting, but, but if you if you wanted to become a pastor, for example, yeah. you would have to go through a, a I'll call it a training program, mm-hmm. uh, theological the, the, the school. Yes, been doing anything like that officially? Not, not. I, I tried to do that in September, mm-hmm. but I had to stop. So right now. I'm trying to personally, I'm still trying to grow my relationship with God. Mm. And I have the mind to do something like that mm. in the future. Mm. But right now, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can mm. and prepare myself as much as I can to then do that as well yes. in the future, definitely. Mm. Yeah.
Yes. Uh, Nigeria is probably a more conservative, traditional country than Britain. Do you agree? In what sense? Uh, just by more like traditional values. Britain's more like permissive, more progressive country. Do you want to call it that? Britain. Yeah. Yeah. Would you agree? And it, yes. Could, could you speak to that? What's it like to, to leave a traditional conservative country and go to a country where you know anything goes, basically? Yeah. That's that's pretty much it. Like here, mm -hmm. the world is at your feet. You, yeah. you could do anything, good mm -hmm. and bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just it depends on your circle. I feel like the people you have around you are vital. Yeah. The influences you have are great because that defines what you do really wherever you are. Mm -hmm. Here, when I came here. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to please anybody and everybody. Yeah, and unfortunately for me, unfortunately how you want to look at it, what that meant was doing some disturbing things. And you, you like, you do them, like you indulge. You indulge the banks. Like all, all these things you've never been able to do, how at your fingertips. Yeah. And encouraged. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And I, I, I don't think it's healthy. I, I, I don't think it's good, mm -hmm. uh, but I think at the same time, in life you need balance, that's what mm -hmm. it's about, in, in life you need balance, it's good to be a balanced individual. It's interesting mm -hmm. that you always come back home and your parents have that stability of prayer, you see the connection, so you went cut off from that, that tie was there, yeah. God had that tie, had you tied into that really, Definitely. as much as you had yeah, a long rope, you know. You were always pulled back to that centre line of the word and prayer. That's, that's why again, coming here and seeing you guys pray, I love that. Mm -hmm. Like prayer, um, like I said, my help coming from God. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I have always had that relationship mm -hmm. with praying with God, mm -hmm. and I'm forever grateful for that. So we, God always had a purpose for you, so I believe so. Yes. I believe I'm still living that out. Amen. Yeah. And the, the three cool guys who you met at university, do you think they weren't there by accident, were they? No. Yeah, they were accident. Yeah. Were they Nigerian? They were. They were. Early on in your testimony, you said that <coughs> God accepted you were one of the reasons for the traumas you were going through was that you could help everyone else. Is that still in the future or is it being ful fulfilled now or where do you feel of that? I think, I think I started in university. Mm. Being, being, I feel like the things, um, I'm, all, I'm grateful for the, for the childhood I had mm. now. Yeah. When I was in there, I hated it. Yes. But now I thank God for it because it, it's, it's made me who I am. Mm. And I feel like in university, because we was, I was one of the leaders with, of the student fellowship with three other people. And we would constantly speak to people on the campus yes. about whatever they were going through. And I could always I could I could relate to some people. Yes. And I believe I hope to God that we helped yes. some people. Okay. So I feel like mm, I think I think that I think that's my greatest aim in this world. Okay. To let the glory of God be seen yeah. and for people just pretty much what happened to me because I was very much a person. I was I, I observe 
I was I'm always looking to learn. I'm always looking to be encouraged by people, and so I try to. And I believe people are also like that. So I always try to live a life where people can hopefully be affected positively in the mm -hmm. environment. I always, and I think that's 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 what makes me the happiest. When people say to me, "Oh, like you've helped," oh, just one. Yes, encouragement. One. One little thing. This is kind of, this is kind of a weird thing. So I was speaking to a friend of mine, and she and she said to me, she's single. I'm not gonna say anything. She's single, and she's like, she's got very high standards for people mm. in general. And she said to me, from speaking to you, and I hearing, because she sees me as a very good Christian, right? But then when I tell her the things, some of the things that goes through my mind, and well. But what I struggled with, yeah. she said to me, oh, she's now, it's helped her to be more empathetic to a mm -hmm. guy that she might meet in the future. We might have struggles. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, she would just say that they're not a Christian. Yeah. And things like that give me great joy because yes. that's pretty much, that's why I'm being open to tell people. I'm, I'm always quite, in uni, I was leader of Christian fellowship. I became disabled. I, I stopped coming, I stopped going out. Like, there wasn't much rumors about me. People called me Pastor Kel. Uh, I became that guy. I was, I was that guy. So when anybody would ever speak to me, I would tell them, hey, I'm messed up. I'm very messed up. Like, I'm far from perfect. But I'm trying. I'm trying my best. And that's all you need. That's all you two need to do. That's, that's very much what I represent. Mm -hmm. I find things you know, problems when you speak about Jesus and use the name of Jesus, you finding any reaction, any sort of persecution so far? I, 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 can't, I can't say I can't. Mm. I can't say I can't. And that's an interesting point. Because I think that's, okay, so there's a friend of mine, he's gay, mm. right? We, we, we did uni together, like we studied, we did LPC together, we worked in the same firm, and of course we together. I remember when I decided I was going to do the masters to study theology, I remember being scared to tell him, because I was worried that he wouldn't like me anymore, because he'd think that I was judging him and stuff like that. I remember when I told him, I was like, hey, I'm about to do theology. I was like, I was quite scared of <laughs> what's, what's he going to say? Because I was quite worried. He was, like, he was like, that's fine. He was like, that's okay. Like, you're not being abusive towards me. Like, he's, like, he's still treated as a human. Like, he's interested with that love and respect. And me and him, actually, from when, we, from when afterwards, we talked about God. Like, we talked about, and he actually turned out that he, come from, he came from a Christian family. And we, and we basically, and when we talked about stuff, I, I just think personally, I haven't played face in the persecution. I, I, can't, I can't say I have. But I think it's a tricky one. But I think that's because I try to treat everyone with decency, like with love and respect. Mm -hmm. And I don't think everything has to be, has to result in persecution. Mm -hmm. If you treat people with love and respect, then if you just lay out, the gospel, because I think the gospel is a gospel of, I always like to tell people, but I think of the gospel, it's accepted of everybody. Mm. Like I remember George asked me, um, 
John Dustin, do you think, do you think being, oh, I just said his name. <laughs> you know? You don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. But I keep Pastor Gay, it has to be like, do you think being gay is a sin? Or do you think it's wrong? I was like, yes, I think it's a sin. No, do you think it's wrong? I was like, I think it's a sin, because I don't know if it's about being right or wrong. It's the fact that God says it's his word. That we shouldn't we should be doing things like this. Like it's it's not right for us to do stuff like this. I don't I don't I don't I, it's not it's not about we being wrong or right or wrong. It's the fact that it's God's word and I believe the Bible takes preeminence against everything I believe. And I have to tell you, mate, I think it's a sin. But I'm not I'm, I'm not out here like praying you die or something or no, anything what happens to you. Like <clears throat> I'm a sinner just as much as you are, and there's no such thing, like, I don't believe that, well, there are sins that greater than others, but I feel like sin is a sin, yeah. at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. If you're sinning, you're sinning. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a raw sinner, yeah. and God is willing to accept us all. It's mm -hmm. just a sin for this time. So that's kind of, that's, that's kind of, that, I feel that's what a Christian, if a Christian makes somebody else feel bad, that's not good. If someone else feel bad because you're a Christian, that's on them. But it's not an us to make other people feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. for being who they are. Because mm -hmm. I don't think that's what Christ tells us to do. Christ tells us to accept and love everybody and live the gospel, make the gospel plain to everyone that they may see grace. Mm -hmm. you, you, you said you're a sinner, right? You, but you're actually a repentant sinner. It's in the same. There's a certain difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if he continues yeah. in sin, he is not a repentant Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. Right, yeah. So you probably went through your persecution when you were you first came into the country yeah. and, and was you know persecuted as the the only Nigerian in the school from a young age. Black kids yeah. That was probably your training ground. That's that's true because we had a, we we could we could I could relate to him on many different levels. Mm -hmm. So I knew I knew exactly because he had he had quite a a wrong image of church. Mm -hmm. Church thing was just, you're a bad person. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're all bad people, but like you said, it's that, it's that realizing, I think it's about a realization mm -hmm. that God just accepts us yeah. and that we should, is it, what, what's the Bible passage like? If you, like, you should love my, like, you should obey my commandments yeah. and love doing it basically. Yeah. I think that that's that's mm -hmm. a key element. Because a lot of us are obeying the commandments but we're not loving it. Mm -hmm. We're just doing it to fulfill our righteousness. Yeah. There's no point. So yeah, it's a matter of realizing, realizing that God's way is actually the better way. What mm -hmm. he says is the better way. Even though I might not understand it, even though physically, physiologically, mm -hmm. I may wanna I may be happier doing something else. Mm -hmm. So about changing your does Missy want to say anything or not? So what do we pray for now? Boldness. Yeah. Boldness. Can I suggest guidance in the future? Definitely. Um, I just want to like keep being tethered like to God. 
and just be I just want God to remain my first priority mm -hmm. in life. That's what I want. Okay. And how often do you preach at Atherton? Um, this year I've had five dates. Okay. What kind of church is it? Atherton Evangelical Church. Very similar. Oh, you see you, man. Sam is real. Yeah. It's actually the same as in this church. It's pretty much the same as this church. The first day I walked in here, I was, I was right at home to this church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was no difference. It was full of old people. <laughs> 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 Beautiful, mature. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that scripture, um, that you've just said it, you know, faith of boldness. That scripture says specifically, being confident, being confident. So in other words, being confident that he, you can be confident that he will begin a good work in you, will bring it to completion in Christ Jesus. That your boldness will come out of that confidence in what he's promised you. Okay, well I suggest uh, we just stand up together and pray for him and then anything else, Greg, you can uh, lead us on, okay? Shall we all stand? We thank you, Father, for your precious blood in this young man. Thank you, Lord, you brought him through a hard school of training, but you kept him, and you delivered him, and you've saved him, and you've forgiven him, and you've given him his admission, and given him uh, something to do for you. And we pray, indeed, that you will grant him grace to stay close to you. Lord, we know that is the most powerful thing in any of our lives is to grow, uh, grow mm -hmm. and to stay close to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So we pray that uh, for him. We pray for divine protection to continue. We pray for openness to continue. We pray for boldness to continue. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we pray for that opening for ministry and for study in theology that this young's young man's mind yes. will grow and expand mm -hmm. in the way that you want it to do. Mm -hmm. Lord, we know that it says in your word that we have to Come and get our minds to be changed mm -hmm. and submit to you. And you have the authority and power to be able to use that. Mm -hmm. Lord, we thank you. Sometimes these things take a long time. The Apostle Paul took years and years before he went from there because he had to get his mind grounded. Mm -hmm. Lord, continue to bless this young man yes. and lead him and guide him and bless him in his own church. Yes. May that ministry continue yes. and may, mm -hmm. may he have that everlasting an eternal desire in his mm. heart to reach out and to grow and to step forward for Jesus mm. in all situations. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thanks a lot again for this opportunity. Thank you.